Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Everybody say rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. I want to preach for the next little bit on this title, Get out of your tree. Get out of your tree. Turn to your neighbor and say, get out of your tree. Turn to your other one and say, I didn't know I was in one. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. How many of you this past Wednesday appreciated the... Um, the words from our elders. Was that not phenomenal? Man. And uh, unbelievable. I feel sorry for anybody who was not uh, able to be here this past Wednesday night. Uh, we'll definitely have to do that again. Just uh, some wise words uh, being spoken. And Sister Joanne Bishop, my goodness. Everybody did phenomenal. The prices, Brother Bishop. Sister Bishop, I love it how she gets up there and she prefaced it with, I'm not a speaker, and then she began to speak. Yes. That's all right. There was, there, was, uh, there were so many things that were said this past Wednesday that, I mean... Uh, I, think it's, I think it's always wise to take notes in church, man. Like God will drop a, a, a golden nugget right in your lap every now and then, and you'll just a thought. And it's just, uh, she said several things. Brother Bishop said several things. And, and uh, I, I was thinking about him this past week. And there was one thing that Sister Bishop said that just really stuck out to me. And I think it was towards the tail end. She said these words, and I, I could be misquoting her, but it's the same thing. She said, the, the devil is trying to take people out of this world that don't know him. And I think she geared it towards the young people that he is trying to take young people out of this world that do not know him. And, and not knowing him is the, is the same thing as not being saved. 
right? Yes. Because that's what, that's what salvation is. Salvation is relationship. It is, it is knowing him. And I, and I feel that on my heart this morning that we desperately need to know him. So I ask you, do you know him today? Not does your pastor know him, not does your youth pastor know him, not does your husband know him or your neighbor know him or your grandparents, but do you know the Lord this morning? Amen. We ought not to go through this life and into the next not knowing him because if we do one day we will hear him say depart from me ye workers of iniquity I never knew you I never knew you church you have got to know him you have got to be in relationship with him not know about him but know him know him anybody ever heard the phrase if God can help so-and-so, he can help anyone. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody ever said that before? <laughs> Come on. Look at your neighbor and say guilty. <laughs> so-and-so. If God can help so-and-so, he can help anyway. And you know what? So-and-so, you know who that is? So-and-so is always a reference to people who are really good at doing bad things. You don't want to be sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so, okay? They are famous for their skill and wrongdoing. They are awesome at sin. They, they sin a lot, and uh, they enjoy it. They enjoy and you know you we say did you hear did you hear about that person did you hear about that lady that she's she's getting a divorce again that's the third marriage that's her third failed marriage and if God can get a hold of her he can get a hold of anybody that leader who calls himself a Christian can you believe what he said can you believe what he was involved in he should be ashamed of himself if God can help him he can help anybody. Let's be honest here this morning. Mostly good people like to look down on mostly bad people. If we're, if we're being totally transparent. We enjoy the feelings of condescending pity or self-righteous outrage, okay? We like to hold up our notorious evildoers, okay, as marvels of this, this depravity, examples of just how bad people can get, Look how bad they are. And then we finish off our coffees and we load our children into our almost paid off vehicles and we drive off to contribute to society. If God can help so-and-so. The problem with this, if God can save statement, is that it implies a rating system for sins. It's an unspoken, often culture-driven and arbitrary badness scale. Or goodness scale, depending on which part of the scale you may find yourself on this morning. Whether we are rating ourselves or we are rating others. On our scale, we label small sins and, and medium small sins to medium sins. And medium sins to large sins. And large sins to extra large sins. And extra large sins to supersized sins. 
If we see someone with small to medium, we think to ourselves, he's, he's a pretty good guy. Uh, he's fairly sound and uh, engaged morally. Uh, he's obviously close to Jesus, and it won't be hard for God to get a hold of him. But church, nowhere in the Bible do we find God distinguishing between levels of sin. God does not share our rating system. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Romans 6 tells us the wages of some sin is death. The wages of medium-sized sin is death. Oh, I got it. I got it. The wages of supersized sin is death, right? No. The wages of sin is death, right? The wages of sin. Obviously, obviously, uh, sins have different consequences though, right? Okay. Some will get, some can get you incarcerated or punched in the face, right? Okay. While others, other sins won't even be noticed. But you know what? God just calls sin, sin. Sin. All right. We see that in the life of Jesus that there was no rating system for sin. That he didn't come through and he didn't rate everybody on what level of sin they were at. And they might make it to the next level and we need to get back down here out of the... No, no, no. He was willing to accept anyone, to love anyone. And nowhere is this more evident than in the story of Zacchaeus the tax collector. I got to do this real fast. Is it Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus? Raise your hand if it's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you lose. I was right. We had this conversation. I think my wife says Zacchaeus. Come to the altar right now, babe. That's all right. He said it's not Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Zacchaeus. All right. So we see this very evident in his life. When you begin to look at the life of Zacchaeus, you almost have to believe that, you almost have to believe that he's a gangster. Seriously, okay? When you begin to look at his life, he was a chief tax collector. And in that region, he had become very rich. And we know the story. I'm going to Go through real fast. He, he, he wanted to get a good look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran. He climbed the sycamore, the, the tree because, uh, the, because beside the road for, you know, Jesus was going to pass by that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, uh, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. And so Zacchaeus climbs down quickly and, and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people there were displeased and they said, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner okay meanwhile Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord and if I have cheated people on their taxes I will give them back four times as much and Jesus responded he said salvation has come to this house today for this man has shown himself to be the true son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save those that are lost interesting backstory going back to the tax collector israelites of jesus's day they looked at tax collectors as thieves 
Okay, you didn't want to be a tax collector. They were uh, at least not in the in the in the people's minds. Tax collectors were Jews who worked for the Roman government, which was in rule in Israel at that time, and their job was to collect taxes from their own people and hand the money over to the hated foreign power. Their own income from whatever they could get out of people after they met Rome's quota. That's how they made their own money. And so Zacchaeus and his fellow tax collectors traders they would they would literally brother hogan they would make up tax amounts on the fly they just be like that's what it is this day and they're like that's not what i played yesterday well that's what it is today zacchaeus was a professional cheat a professional embezzler he took money from little old ladies he was a thief zacchaeus Along with being a thief, he was a very short man. <laughs> but don't be deceived by his stature. Because the Bible says he was rich. He had a lot of money. At some point years before, he, he had been recruited by the Romans. He was probably a little bit of a prodigy. He would, he would have started out as the, an assistant to the tax collector. And after proving his worth, he would have been promoted to tax collector. And ultimately, we find him in this story, he has become the chief tax collector. He probably oversees an entire tax district and a gang of many tax collectors who give him a cut of what their take is. This, 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 this makes Zacchaeus, this makes him in his region, this, it just a major reject, if you will. He is infamous. He is legendary. He is notorious. And you wonder, how long has he been doing this? Two years, five years, longer than that. You know how I know it? Because he's a chief tax collector. Ten years, 20. Here's the deal. I don't think he minds being hated. <laughs> I don't think, in fact, I think he's loving life. He's up there in his big house and overlooking the city and lounging in his pool while his servants just drop grapes in his mouth. That's how I picture this man, Zacchaeus. Everybody fears him now. Sure, they hate him, but at least they respect him. Why? Because he can, he can tell you whatever fee he wants. He can rip you off however he wants. They hate him, but they respect him. Back in elementary school, I'm probably, nobody picked a short guy to play hoops, Right? He never got picked in high school. He never got picked to do any of those fun things. He was probably the last to be picked, if picked at all. But you know what? Now this region is scared of this guy. Zacchaeus now has become the big guy on the block now. And then rumor was, Jesus might be the promised Messiah. And so Zacchaeus, who had grown up in the Jewish culture, he would have been familiar with the prophecies. No doubt he had heard that one day there would come a Messiah, the promised deliverer, and now Jesus is coming through the town, and Zacchaeus says, I've got to go check this guy out. This guy's getting a lot of followers, he's getting a lot of attention, and people are talking about him, and I am curious. And this is, a, I doubt Zacchaeus was thinking, I hope that Jesus changes my life today. I hope that I get saved today. I ask you, saved from what? His big house? 
his, his riches. No, he just wanted to check out the popular guy. So Zacchaeus, remember, he's all, he's, he's all about status. You don't become a tax collector and then a chief tax collector and not like money and not like status. It just doesn't go hand in hand. He was famous in a negative sense, but famous nonetheless. And so Jesus starts strolling through. People are lying in the streets trying to catch a glimpse of him, and Zacchaeus realizes he can't see over the crowd. And so Zacchaeus is a guy who's used to getting his way, and so he hitches up. He grabs a hold of his blinged-out robe, probably, and he hops over and he climbs up into the sycamore tree just to get a glimpse, and all of a sudden he can't even begin to uh, uh, fathom the love that he's having that Jesus is going to stop right below history he's probably thinking this is amazing I'll be able to check this guy out I can look how awesome his hair is I can I can see everything I can almost smell his breath I can get to listen in on the conversation that he's having with the crowd and then to his surprise Jesus looks up at him And he calls him by name. He says, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. You know, Psalms 23 is one of the most loved passages in all of Scripture because it comforts us with the image of a good shepherd caring for his helpless, mindless sheep. Can't you just picture the sheep grazing quietly in the field while the shepherd walks around them, patting each one of them, and he stands and he calls them one by one. The other, he calls them out by name. Every sheep has a name, and the shepherd knows each and every one of them. Each sheep hears the familiar voice and his own name and follows the step of the shepherd and Jesus said of a good shepherd he said the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and he leadeth them out then he told the disciples I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine what a precious thought this morning that Jesus knows who you are he knows your name amen he knows exactly who you are you may have walked in here this morning thinking nobody really cares nobody really knows me nobody knows what I'm going through nobody knows the issue that I deal with but Jesus is in the house today and if you'll take time to listen to him you can hear his voice you can hear him call you by name Jesus looks up in that sycamore tree and he says, Zacchaeus. He calls out his name. And I wonder if Zacchaeus was like, what? How? How do you know me? Who told you? Who told you about me? You know, they say the sweetest sound to a human's ear is the sound of his or her, her own name. To hear your name being called out. To hear your name, Doug Hogan, you've just won $3 million. And 40 people, I am Doug Hogan. (laughs) There's something about hearing your own name and being called out. And God calls this rejected, hardened, selfish man by his name. Zacchaeus, hurry down. I'm coming to your house today, right now. 
Zacchaeus like, what? You are? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. I think at this point of the story, Zacchaeus is really relishing in the moment. Okay, all the upright uh, religious Jews, they would have loved to have had the opportunity to have a little bit of Jesus's time, to have a handshake, to have a nod, to get to spend a little bit of time with him. They would have loved the opportunity. Yet now the chief tax collector, the biggest bad guy around, gets a personal invitation. I think I think at this point, Zacchaeus is looking around saying, what's up now, y'all? What's up? Huh? Look who's coming to my house. I see you later. I think that's what he's doing. He sends word to all his buddies and his little tax collector minions to come over and, and meet Jesus. And then this is his moment. This is his limelight. This is his chance. This is, but that afternoon, something unexpected and unexplainable began to happen in this man's heart. We wonder as readers of the text, how long did this man have an audience with the living God? Yes, come on. Was it two hours? Was it four hours? How long was he there? And you know what? We don't know. What did they talk about? We can only guess. We can assume that they went, they ate a meal together, and Jesus probably listened. And Zacchaeus must have thought, nobody listens to me. Everybody hates me except for a few people that work for me. But this guy listens, this guy cares, and he gets it. I can imagine Zacchaeus looking into the most compassionate eyes that he's ever seen before in his entire life and thinking, does Jesus know who I am? Does Jesus know what I do for a living? Does he know what paid for the food that he's eating? Does he know how he got the money, how I got the money to pay for this big house? And after a few hours with Jesus, Zacchaeus, he can't even contain himself any longer. Abruptly, he stands up seemingly overwhelmed with who this Jesus is in front of family and peers and employees. He blurts out, he says, I'm changing everything. I'm changing. I'm going to start giving my money away. In fact, anyone I've ever cheated, I'm going to give them back four times what I stole. This callous money hungry tax collector is about to go broke and you know what he doesn't even care you know why because a moment with Jesus has changed everything in his life amen a moment there are some people here today you feel trapped in this life you just feel trapped stuck in the same habits depressed how your life has turned out and you begin to question your very purpose life all of a sudden seems pointless or hopeless at best and then the lie that says nothing will ever change it pulled you into this deeper rut but I came to preach to you today Jesus offers a way out he reaches down to give life a new path to follow he has the power to set us free would you clap your hands unto the Lord today a moment with Jesus changes everything The deal is, he's just looking for somebody to spend some time with him. A moment with Jesus can change everything. 
but who's willing to give him that moment? Who's willing to give him that time? He's looking for people that aren't too busy for him. Those that will get out of their tree. Those that will climb down out of their proverbial tree and spend time with him. I wonder what Jesus said in one short afternoon that changed a lifelong taker into a lavish giver. I wonder what exactly they talked about that day. What was their conversation? But you know what, Brother Rice, that's not the point of the passage. I think the Bible skips over what they talked about because we try to turn it into a recipe. We would miss the forest for the trees because, listen to me, it wasn't what Zacchaeus talked about. It was the person that he talked about it with. That's right. The whole point was about being with Jesus. What changed this man? What changed Zacchaeus? Was it religious duty or deeds? No, it was just a few moments with God in the flesh. We don't even have record of anyone telling Zacchaeus that he needed to repent or give the money back. But something came over this man when he encountered Jesus Christ. Church, that is the power of his presence. That is the power of the presence of God. When we fix our eyes on his majesty, Brother Rice, you were talking about it earlier. It's not about lights and it's not about smoke and it's not about uh, 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 the music and having the full-on orchestra. It's not about any of those things. Those things are great and I like those things in their place, but it has nothing to do with that. But when we get our eyes focused on his majesty and his holiness and his greatness and his glory and his righteousness, we become like Isaiah who said, Woe is me. When you get in the presence of God and you see him for who he is, you don't really need anybody to tell you to repent. You just need to know you've woefully fallen short of his glory. That's the easiest way to get somebody to repent. Show them Jesus. Show them Jesus because we looked at him and we've like, he's so perfect. He's so holy. He is righteous. He has all power. He has all glory. He has all authority. And then we become just like I said, like Isaiah, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and dwell of a people of unclean lips. How, why was he feeling this way? Why was Isaiah feeling this way? He goes on to see for mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts church when you set your eyes on him nobody really needs to tell you to do anything you just realize for yourself that you have woefully fallen short of his glory and his presence begins to just change you that's why it's in vital importance that we have the presence of God in our services in in our prayer meetings in our cars on our way to work in our homes and in our relationships we must have the presence of almighty God The truth is, we are all Zacchaeus. We are all Zacchaeus. Brother Bishop, I may not be short in stature, but I'm short spiritually. In my own ability, in my own capacity, 
Anytime I try to set out to do something for the Lord and I do right and I do good when I hold it up, it's filthy rags. Filthy. Even if I want to get to Jesus, if I want to see him, I can't see past myself sometimes. I can't see past my sin sometimes, past my distractions. How do we reach him? Here's, and, and then we think to ourselves, how am I going to get over the hill? How am I going to get over these problems, these issues, these distractions? You know what we think to ourselves sometimes? What we'll do, what we'll do is we'll just run faster. We'll run faster and we'll climb proverbial trees of religious actions. We think, I'll get to Jesus. I'll impress him with who I am. I'll impress him with how good I am, how much scripture I know, how talented I am. I believe that most people have a, a sense of their, this inadequacy and failure deep within themselves. No matter how hard they try or what they accomplish, they know that they are in a dark, dark place. They are short in a spiritual sense. Yes, yes. We have sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. And so we think, I'll just, I'll, I'll run faster. I'll find a tree and I'll climb it. And I'll get God's attention. And we think to ourselves that it's our running and our climbing that gets God's attention. Can I tell you that's not what saved Zacchaeus? You know what saved Zacchaeus? It was God's mercy. And it was God's grace. You know what it was? It was God's initiative. We think God stops and takes notice of us because he sees us up in our our little sycamore trees and we think it is because we are so good. See, I got God to notice me today because I was at church, because I came and I sang the songs and I I clapped my hands when they said the cloud. I even shouted. I knew all the lyrics and I prayed this morning. That's how I got him to notice me. But that's not why Jesus stopped that day. He stopped out of his own choosing. stop because he's gracious and he's good he stopped because he knows this man by name just as he knows me and he knows you Jesus told Zacchaeus to hurry and he tells us the same thing hurry down hurry down from tradition quit trying to pick yourself up only my grace can do that come down and come now don't spend another moment or another day trusting yourself he said I need to be with you today and the Bible says this for without him we can do nothing church I urge you today come down from that tree that you are in get out of the tree and get in his presence it's not about you but it has always been about him it's not about your tree it's about his tree yeah, yeah. 
Jesus Christ marched himself up that hill to be crucified just to make it possible to have a relationship with you. Get out of your tree. Get out of your tree. He wants to spend time with you today. I'm sure sitting across from that table while Zacchaeus spoke, Jesus must have been smiling to himself. And now he makes this announcement of his own. He said, today salvation has come to this house. And I bet when Zacchaeus heard those words, he's stunned. He is absolutely floored. Why? Because he is the prototypical traitor. He's the bad guy. He's the opposite of a good Jew. And for as long as he can remember, he's been on the outside looking in. But now it's flipped and he's on the inside now he's a good guy I wish I could have seen the look on his friend's face as they stood there thinking to themselves if that man can help Zacchaeus there must be hope for me too and then Jesus sums up his life mission I am here to find and help the lost people that's why I've come I've come to seek and to save the lost. You see, the Pharisees thought the Messiah was only coming for the chosen few, for the sanctified few, for the religious few. But Jesus said over and over that he came for the broken, he came for the hurting, he came for the bad, he came for the addicted, he came for the bound, he came for the deceived, he came for the lost. Right.